Hello, this is Peter Bergman, and this is Everything You Know is Wrong for Wednesday, December 7th, 2011. Well, my birthday week is over, but it still resonates, and birthdays are times to reminisce. And, you know, as I look out at the political scene, the now seven garden gnomes vying to run against the great not-me, I look back at the time when I was closest to the actual font of politics when I was a when when I was an intern in Washington DC during Camelot that's right I was an intern in Washington in 1961 a senate intern I'd graduated from Yale that year and under the auspices of Senator Harrison Williams whom I didn't know but I guess was part of the Yale old boy network sponsored me and I found myself in um, the Senate subcommittee on migratory labor where I was a legislative assistant, which means I wrote policy papers or helped in the writing of policy papers. And at the time, our issue was migratory labor and how to protect the children, how to make the uh, vehicles that transported the migrant laborers from Mexico to California, etc. safe. It was pretty progressive policy. And I learned a lot. And it was an amazing time. I mean, I, I look at the acrimony in Washington today that terrible names these people call each other, the total gridlock, the, the mercenary machinations. Yes, I know this always goes on in politics, and certainly uh, Kennedy's Camelot was not without its, you know, its seamier side, but it was halcyon days. I'd be walking home from the Senate to my little basement uh, <laughs> apartment in Georgetown, and Kennedy would drive by in an open convertible 10, 20 feet from us, waving at us, saying hello, all tan and handsome and charismatic. And another thing that was different then is that even though there was lots of right, left, and center split, and certainly there was partisan politics, of course, there was, there was something called comity, collegiality. Uh, people could fight each other on the Senate floor and then walk off as the best of friends. Ain't true anymore. You get seen with the wrong people, you get tagged as friend of the devil. There's another thing, too, which is I learned in Washington, working in Washington, that most of the bureaucrats with whom I had contact were overworked and underpaid, very bright people who could have made considerably more money in the private sector. It was obvious to me. And in fact, nowadays, when the right-wing Republicans have thoroughly denigrated bureaucrats as gravy-sucking dogs, who they say make more money than their compatriots in the private sector, a recent poll shows that that's just a lie. People in the private sector doing um, similar jobs can earn considerably more money. Government really is a public service. And most of the people that I touched at that time in Camelot were doing public service. I was one of them. I remember sitting in the office one day. I was writing some paper or trying to write some paper. And a young man walked in. Um, he was about, oh, 15 feet from me. And he had the most amazing blue eyes I have ever seen. Turned out it was the young Cesar Chavez. Ah, my oh my. I rubbed up against some very interesting people during that time. Uh, Everett Dirksen may not mean anything to you, but he was the minority leader, a Republican from Illinois. Big man with wavy white hair. And he'd gather us interns around now and then and, and quote Shakespeare to us. Uh, it was an amazing time. I remember 
Um, one of my friends from Yale was um, Sam Bowles, whose father, Chester Bowles, was the number two guy in the State Department. And I went over to a party at his house. I was writing comedy folk songs at the time. Didn't play, Played only three chords on the guitar, but that was enough to strum out uh, Woody Guthrie's I've been doing some hard traveling, and I put comedy political lyrics to it and ended up on the steps uh, serenading Bobby Kennedy. And uh, I didn't see any Secret Service around. What a smile that man had. It was indeed an amazing time. I met some, some dear friends and I look, look at Washington today and even though it is an exciting time and there's still lots of interesting and, and intellectually stimulating people there, the atmosphere has been poisoned. Absolutely. One of the reasons is huge amounts of money pouring in. Second of all, the rise of the religious ideological right. Nothing wrong with the right wing. It's the religious side that bothers me. It wasn't an issue, or certainly much of an issue, back in 1961 when I, as a just out of Yale, wet behind the ears, totally wet behind the ears, went to work in Washington. I'd love to go back. Washington is the only town that I like to visit as a tourist. I mean, I could spend a month there and never see half the stuff that's, that's you know, that's available. I know the Firesign Theater, for example, two years ago got inducted into the Library of Congress as an audio treasure. So I got a personal tour of the Library of Congress, that Beaux-Arts building. So gorgeous. Such nice people. Oh, the weather's terrible, I know. There were days when we'd come home from working in the Senate, which fortunately was air-conditioned, and it was so hot we took off all our clothes and lay still for an hour. Couldn't even move without sweating ourselves out. What an interesting time. Well, I hope that we can detoxify Washington. I think Occupy Wall Street, which is hitting D.C., by the way, they're there right now demanding what? Um, that Congress look at the whole foreclosure scandal, student loans, serve the 99%. I know they're kicking them out of all of their tent cities, but that isn't going to end the movement. Yes, it will dislocate them. Yes, it will be harder for the press to find them, but the, the movement is within us. If Occupy Wall Street, if bringing the government back to the people is going to happen, it's going to have to be done by individuals. It's not just an idea. It doesn't have a speaker. It doesn't have anybody you can identify. No head that you can chop off and kill the beast. It's nowhere. It's everywhere. So those are my ruminations on my days in Camelot. Um, not that I expect Camelot ever to return. There was a certain naivete that uh, was shot away from the grassy knoll. Things are different, of course. Things don't change. But we may, if possible, return to an even better time. I see that Obama's going to be in Kansas making a speech at the very place where Theodore Roosevelt made a similar speech in, in, in honor of progressivism. Now, of course, Theodore Roosevelt was a maniac. He was a racist maniac. If you go and really study the man, I know he was a conservationist, yadda yadda, but my God, what he did to the Filipinos, his idea of the white man's burden Nonetheless, Obama's in Kansas talking about the fact that every American needs a fair shot and a fair shake. 
Uh, now, the Republicans agree, but the fair shot comes from an AK-47, and the fair shake is shaking them until they understand that this is a country where if you don't got a job, it's your fault, and uh, if your poor God has turned his back from you, oh my, oh my, I just hope things get better. I deserve it. You deserve it. This fabulous country deserves it. Hi, this is Willard Romney, but you can call me Mitt because it tests better. And welcome to Romney's Empty Suit Store. Nothing covers an emperor who has no clothes like a Romney empty suit. Cut out of whole cloth, there's plenty of room in the rear for backpedaling, and every Romney empty suit is stench-guarded and teflonized, so that no matter how many times you flip-flop or stretch the truth, you come up wrinkle-free, smelling like a rose. Need a cravat? I have a fine selection of neckwear that will tie you to Wall Street, K Street, or Easy Street. Take your choice. And, of course, shoes make the man. So step into a pair of Romley Triangulators. Their self-adjusting hydraulic heels keep your head above water when you're in out of your depth. So visit me at Romney's Empty Suit Store, running continuously since 2006. And if you know the secret handshake, you're welcome to shop our exclusive selection of Mormon underwear in the back. I played you the little Romney piece because he's back in the news with, I think, quite a telling story. Mitt Romney spent nearly $100,000 in state funds, not his own personal funds, to replace computers in his office at the end of his term as governor of Massachusetts in 2007 as part of an unprecedented effort to keep the record secret. This according to Reuters. The move during the final weeks of Romney's administration was legal, but unusual for a departing governor, so say Massachusetts officials. The effort to purge the records was made a few months before Romney launched his unsuccessful campaign for the Republican uh, presidential nomination back in 2008. When he left the governorship of Massachusetts, 11 of his aides bought the hard drives of their state-issued computers to keep for themselves. Oh, what a nice kind of like memento of their time with Mitt. Also, before he left office, the governor's staff had emails and other electronic communication by Romney's administration wiped from state services, state officials say. So he left with a clean slate. Okay, Massachusetts officials say there's no basis to believe that Romney's staff violated any state laws or policies in removing the administration's records. They acknowledge, however, that state law on maintaining and disclosing official records is vague and has not been updated to deal with issues related to digital records and other modern technology. So modern Mitt, the hedge fund man, took advantage of vague laws. Teresa Dolan, former director of administration for the governor's office, told Reuters that Romney's efforts to control or wipe out records from his governorship were unprecedented. Dolan said in her 23 years as an aide to successive governors, no one had ever inquired about or expressed the desire to purchase their computers, hard drives, before Romney's tenure. And he did it on their money. See, the cleanup of records by Romney's staff before his term ended... Uh, included spending $205,000 for a three-year lease on new computers for the governor's office. Now, they already had computers in with $108,000 left on the lease, so by the time the smoke cleared, the cost to the state for computers in the governor's office was an additional $97,000. Not only is this a slimy trick, and I think Romney is beginning to show his slimy side, what is ironic and pitiful 
is that he was erasing probably not records of corruption or dirty deals or, you know, uh, sexual peccadilloes. He was erasing the data on the best that he had ever done, his uh, putting together a, a, a health care system for Massachusetts and on and on, which would haunt him amongst the right-wing ideologues whose butts he wished to have his lips surgically attached. It is ironic. It is pitiful. It is mitt. And I have to think he's toast. Regardless, and if a cocked a campaign like this, dear friends, everything you know is wrong.